That's what God is saying through Hosea. He's saying to his people, you have been rebellious and you've gone your own way. I'm going to treat you righteously. I'm not going to lose my temper and lose my patience and say you're all done. I'm going to respond in righteousness. Righteousness is simply a word I like to define with rightness. Just take the word, break it down, take the little part out in the middle, rightness. All the rightness of God, that's how he's going to respond to his people. And then he's going to respond in justice. And then my favorite part, he's going to respond in steadfast love. See, this is the beauty of the gospel, and this is the part I really want you to resonate with this today, is that God's love is steadfast, and it's not based on how steadfast my love is, because my love is back and forth. My, mine is the one that swings with the times and swings with things that happen in my life, but his love is steadfast, never, ever, ever, let me say it again, ever changing. His steadfast love for you has never, ever, ever, and will never waver. And then he does this crazy thing. He responds to his people in mercy. He shows his wayward spouse, his children, mercy. They have worshipped other gods. They have sacrificed their children. They have treated each other in ways that were unjust and unrighteous. They were supposed to be a witness to the nations, and they weren't. And he shows them mercy. And then he says in verse 20, I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. He stays faithful. And you shall know the Lord. That's a beautiful little, set, little part of that verse. You will know the Lord. He's telling his people, you will know the Lord. I will betroth you in faithfulness. I will stay faithful, faithful to you and you will know me in a personal and intimate way. And then verse 23, I will sow her for myself in the land, and I will now have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, and, and you shall say, you are my God. He's saying, I will, ha I will have mercy on no mercy. Let's use that imagery again of the, of the marriage, and he will say, I will have mercy on my wife. I will have mercy on my people. And he says, I will say, you are my people to those who are not my people. He says, I will call her my wife again. I will call them my people again. And his people shall say in response, their response will be, you're our husband. She will call me her husband again. He will do all of this and will woo us and draw us back into right relationship with him. And despite of all of Israel's unfaithfulness, God will be faithful to her. Isn't that just hard to fathom sometimes? If you have been with us in the thread, you have seen some pretty horrendous unfaithfulness from the people of Israel throughout the Old Testament. But God has been faithful to them. And all that faithfulness that he's shown them will one day draw them to a place where they will turn and say, you are our God. That's what it says at the end of verse 23. That's the punchline. And he shall say, you are my God. That's what Israel will say. And that's what God is wanting to do in our lives. So with all of that, and I know this is a bit of a different sermon. It's even a bit of a different sermon for me to preach. Um, but with all of that, I have some questions I want you to think about this morning. The first one is simply, what about you today? 
Now, it's easy to hear this and think about everybody else. And what about you today? Where are you in your relationship with God? Now, that answer would be as different as every person in this room. We probably have about 100 people here today. There's going to be 100 different answers to where we are in our relationship with God. But it's important that we take time individually to ask ourselves that. Where am I in my relationship with God? You know, you just get to listen to this for 30 minutes. I had to work on this all week long, and I had asked myself that question all week long. Where am I in my relationship with God? Now, I can't answer that for you, but I can answer this part. The next question is, I can tell you where God is in relationship with you and with me. Here's the beautiful part. I'm going to ask you to think about where you are in your relationship with God. But then I'm going to tell you from the scriptures where God is in relationship to you. He is faithful to you. This is where God is. This is where God has been standing all along. He has been faithful to you. He has acted righteously toward you. His love toward you is steadfast. And again, I plead with you to take that home with you today. Remembering his steadfast love for you. Where God is in his relationship with you is he has shown you mercy. He has acted justly towards you. And he calls you by name his people. Let me say that again. He calls you by name his people. That's where God is. My invitation to you is from verse 23. And they will say, you are my God. I invite you today into a space where you do more than say, yes, God is God. I invite you today to say and believe, God, you are my God. You see, ultimately, God showed his faithfulness and his steadfast love to us by sending his son, Jesus. This is how all this connects to Christ. God's steadfast love and his faithful love and his commitment to his people and his desire to bring his people and and allure them to himself was demonstrated and shown and fleshed out in Christ. Because from heaven, God sends his son and he comes in the flesh, takes on human flesh, and will suffer and die on your behalf and my behalf, all so that we could call God our God. Also that we could say, you are my God. And so his faithfulness and steadfastness is shown to us through Christ. And his faithfulness and steadfast love to us and the mercy and the grace has been shown to us by Christ dying on the cross. And here's just a couple of, of places in the New Testament where we can kind of pull this in and see this, and one comes from Hebrews 8, verse 10, which is referring to and quoting these passages from the Old Testament. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, and a covenant is a promise that God will not break. I will put my laws into their minds, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I'm going to do this I'm going to make a covenant in those days because I'm going to send a son who's going to die on the cross, who's going to rise again from the third day. And when I put my faith in him, he's going to put his spirit in me. So how can I walk in understanding and calling God my God is because his spirit helps me to do that. And his spirit lives in me because of what Christ has done. 
And two other, there's so many places we could have gone. These are just two passages that really kind of jumped out to me and connected to this with me this week. It was when Simon Peter was being asked by God, by Jesus, who do people say that I am? And this is chapter uh, Matthew 16, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, this is curious, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He's saying, the Spirit revealed that to you. This ability to say, you are my God, comes from the Spirit helping us to understand that. And, and so Peter wasn't just some great gifted guy that said, oh, you're the Christ. That's, duh, everybody can see that. No, Jesus says, the Spirit revealed that to you so that you are now mine. And you are my people. And Peter was saying, you are my God because you are the Christ. And then just an interesting place was after the resurrection of Jesus from the dead in John chapter 20. This is what it says. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas is with them. And Thomas had said, I'm not going to believe that Jesus has risen from the dead until I see him. I want to see the holes in his side, the, the holes in his hands and feet. I'm not believing you guys until that happens. And it says, although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And look at this, how he says this. This is exactly what we're just talking about from Hosea chapter 2. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. But he's standing there going, you are my God. You are my Lord and my God. So like I said, if you're visiting, this is kind of a different sermon. But listen, I pray that as you leave here today, you'll be encouraged to hold tightly, not to your ability to hold tightly to God, but to hold tightly to the fact that God is holding tightly to you. Let me say that again. I pray that you will leave here today encouraged and holding tightly, not to your ability to hold on to God, but to the fact that God is faithful and he has been holding on to you all of this time. I pray that you leave here today resting in the faithfulness of God and in his ability to hold tightly onto you. As you're walking out the door today, I want you to know Jesus has got you. And he's holding on. No matter what's going on in your mind and your heart, he's holding on to you. And when you get to the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, there's this beautiful and powerful picture of the groom, Jesus, bringing his bride, his people, to their final home of peace and rest with him for all of eternity. He's going to hold on to you all the way to there. Isn't that good news? I can't give you better news than that. I invite you to leave here today believing Jesus, my Lord and my God. Jesus, the faithful groom, is holding tightly to his bride, his people, and he will never let you go. That's good news. And he invites us to hold tightly onto him as well. We get to do both. He's holding tightly onto you. I invite you to hold tightly onto him. It's the only way, the truth and the life. No one can find God except through him. Hold on to Jesus. But guess what? Even when your fingers get tired and it gets loose, he's holding on to you with a death grip. (laughs) 
a grip that will never be pried apart. That's good news this morning.